0: Hello and welcome to Bung 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 Bung. No me- No. For
1: fuck's sake. We've had this no. argument. It, it's Bring it's- Me a Dream. We can't call mm. it Bung 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 Bung. Because okay. like, nobody will know what that is unless they're yeah. like,
0: Yeah, if this gets picked up for series, we'll be in trouble, <laughs> I guess.
1: Um yeah. Well uh, this is Bring Me a Dream. Um I'm just gonna take the wheel now. Yeah. Uh this is Doof Media's dive into Neil Gaiman's uh The Sandman series. Uh I'm Elliot Diebold.
0: And I'm Ruben Morehouse.
1: And uh, this is a pilot for our pilot season. So um, special thanks definitely to some ragamuffin uh, who donated during All Packed Up to make this episode possible.
0: Yeah. um, If you like this show and you want to see it continue, we have a feedback form that's linked in the show notes down below. So leave your feedback there. Let us know whether you like this and we'll potentially pick it up for series. Now on to the show. Yes, that's the transition music.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully we can get the rights to that. Yeah, um, I'm sure it will be fine. Yeah, so we'll be covering the first half of Volume One uh, today, and so we open with Issue One, "Sleep of the Just," uh, and this first issue opens with us meeting Roderick Burgess, uh, who's like the head of this magic society sort of thing, uh, and he gets the last ingredient he needs for a ritual with which he wants to summon death uh basically his idea is he's going to summon death and like extort death or something to get you know rich and powerful what, or something like that um he he kind of messes it up though and instead accidentally summons uh dream aka the sandman
0: yeah and and so i guess we should point out that we write our notes as we go through each issue so that they're not spoiled by future stuff yeah, and it only really hit me how different this issue is to the other three that we're talking about after I started the second one because it's so different. Um, it's really gothic horror, and it's quite—I mean, it doesn't feature our protagonist, Mister Sandman, at
1: all, right? I think he's in it a little bit towards the end when he escapes. Yeah, I mean, he's oh, but sure, like, Yeah, but he's not—he's not, not, he's not the prot- yeah. or the main character of this first issue.
0: Yeah, in fact, the characters that we meet in this issue, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that we're never going to see them again. It basically yeah. just sets this really horrifying tone for what this story is going to be. It's, it's really interesting.
1: Yeah, like I agree. It stood out to me as well that um, the series was called Sandman and he's barely in the first issue. Um, but like he's a central topic but um yes
0: but it's not about him it it kind of sets it is important because it does set the stage for what is the initial conflict in the story which is he has to basically regain his power from being trapped for 70 years yeah And okay let's talk about that as well this takes place over 70 years it really is just like a very interesting strange story right
1: yeah it's like halfway between a chapter one and a prologue because it's it's not quite a prologue because it's it's like tied into um, the Sandman's story, but it's it's also mostly the story of the the Burgess family and, and their fall due to like their own hubris. Um, yeah, like I think a really fun part of all this is like essentially the conceit of the chapter here is also the issue is that um, the sect failed. Like they wanted to summon death. Uh something <laughs> yeah. something that the dream says here is that uh, he is. Like way lower than death. He's like, oh, geez, good thing you didn't summon death, or you'd be really fucked. You'd but be they're really still, fucked. yeah, they're, exactly. they're still way out of their depth as well. I and I like this as a way of setting like uh Sandman up as someone who is very powerful and and like this immortal being, but also not like God. Like you know, he's not as powerful as death, so we're not getting sidled yeah. with this protagonist who's kind of completely you know omnipotent and immortal it's like someone who is immortal yes but you know they're like mid-tier immortal i guess
0: yeah yeah you're right it's it's interesting the the burgess family are so out of their depth because even this sandman is such like they they are so unable to do anything even though they (laughs) more or less succeed at summoning a very powerful entity they just completely fuck up like of course he can't bargain with them like he just doesn't and they can't do anything
1: about it yeah imagine if they had gotten death they'd be completely fucked
0: yeah they and the world would be completely <laughs> fucked because the other thing that happens here is like stuff goes real bad for the world while Mr. Sandman is away
1: yeah well yeah let's get into that uh, yeah so what sort of happens next is is over 70 years the burgess family kind of has imprisoned uh the sandman and they're attempting to negotiate with him and it doesn't work at all uh, in the meantime, the sort of physical treasures that they stole off him when they summoned him um, get nicked from them. Um, that'll come back into being mm-hmm. important in a few issues. Um, but basically, one of the other things that happened is, as you said, a number of individuals around the world get stuck in these weird dream states, uh, which they eventually sort of jump out of as the Sandman finally manages to escape uh, after one of his captors makes a mistake 70 years later.
0: Yeah. Um and he exacts a terrible revenge on on Alex, who is the son of uh Roderick, I g his name was, right? Yes, yeah, who so Roderick... argues
1: his own innocence in a way I did not find particularly convincing myself. Oh yeah, it but, is not um... compelling. Like <laughs> I
0: uh, his defense is basically I knew you were captive down there, but I didn't do anything about it, so I'm innocent.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, like, his argument I know, is on. I was a kid when you were captured. I, I wasn't responsible for capturing you. I've only been in charge of keeping you imprisoned for the last 30 years. And it's like, hmm, okay. (laughs) Uh, Not compelling evidence, I didn't think. No, me either. Um, Um, But but yeah, something- And the
0: punishment that he exacts on him is he traps him in an eternal waking up, which is horrible. It's like he wakes up as if from a nightmare and then it's like, oh, I'm awake, and then is still in a nightmare. Like he (laughs) just wakes into new nightmares constantly, which is- a real torture, and it's something that I was surprised by how cruel it is. Like the Sandman is clearly he he is a terrifying being, capable of quite cruel torments.
1: Yeah, and he's not here to fuck spiders. Um, it, it's like because because you know, that's a bit of a trope, I think. Um, the whole you know oh uh you know the character wakes up and then something horrifying happens and then they wake up again. Um, and it's usually something I don't like when stories do, but the idea of like <laughs> weaponizing a bad trope into something where I was like, oh my God, it's horrible. Not only does he have to live through a terrible trope, but it's like in a nightmare situation yeah. for forever. Um, it, yeah. You know, where each I mean, time
0: you wake up, the person's there to help you and their face just fucking melts off again. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, that's fun. There's a lot of horrifying stuff in this, in this series already that we'll get to get into. Um yes but to, to sort of circle back a bit um something that you mentioned before I I'm, I'm still a little bit confused by what happens to everyone when uh I, he's called Morpheus in later in later issues I'm going to start calling him Morpheus um yeah when he was imprisoned it, it's like so you know he seems to have responsibility for dreams and and, and wait responsibility for and be the incarnation of like dreams and it mm. may be even, like, imagination or the subconscious. Like, the, I'm a little unclear yeah. of exactly what his boundaries are now, which I think is intentional, I, and I'm liking yes. that. But what confuses me are these... So all throughout this first issue, we're kind of cutting back. Every time the story jumps forward, we get this really neat thing where we go into, I think it's three patients who are who have gone, sort of gone catatonic while he was in prison. And it's a really but cool in way to... different ways. Yes, and it's a really cool way to show us or to keep us grounded as the, as the issue jumps forward, like decades at a time, because it can sort of take us back to, hey, that person was a young girl, now they're an old woman um, yeah. type thing. And, and, but it just kind of left me confused because I was like, okay, so if, if the, the whole concept of dreams has sort of died off or whatever, wh- why is this only affecting this handful of people? Like, you know, if, if death was captured and no one could die, that would completely change everything if no one can dream or imagine or be subconsciously thinking or whatever like it should have been much more wide reaching so yeah i it, had the
0: same thought uh, i'm not 100% sure why it was just these people yeah um, exactly like that's something
1: I, that I, hasn't been explained at this point is why why this group of characters and, and like, it's just weird now with foresight you in, know, i'm starting to wonder will it be explained or yeah
0: i don't know if it will it feels like the kind of thing where it's just kind of done as a this is the scene being set and these are kind of giving you hints at what the world is missing out on now that you know now that uh, mr sandman is imprisoned
1: yeah yeah i mean i don't know if everyone's meant to be cut off from it it should have been i think a much bigger <laughs> deal yes uh, yeah. like, uh, maybe this will make sense to me more once we have a deeper understanding of what exactly the bounds of of morpheus's domain are because like i think they're intentionally still a little bit fuzzy like what yeah. he extends to i, I actually think it, it the whole story is a bit like this that this issue
0: especially has this very intentionally kind of dreamlike and a bit confusing like it feels like you're never quite spoon-fed what is happening you're given you know 75 percent of the picture and you have to kind of infer oh this is clearly what it has happened in this 25 percent that i i haven't seen yet. Um, yeah it 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 reminds me of like the feeling of trying to remember a dream after you've just woken up which i guess (laughs) is intentional right of like yeah you you, you've got these beats of a story and you're kind of like wait but then this happened next oh yeah that makes sense there must have been that um it's it does feel intentionally very i don't know gothic confusing kind of vibe yeah
1: yeah i can see that um uh, yeah i don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be like I just I just kind of want to learn more, I guess. <laughs> yeah, totally. Which
0: is a good hook that's <laughs> been baited, yeah, right?
1: That's true. Um, like I think this does really well as a first issue to kind of get you very interested and invested in the world, and it kind of also makes sense that I, I think something like even after these four issues, that's still quite vague to us. And you know, if it was like a human protagonist, I might start to get annoyed that this person we were dropped in halfway through their life and they weren't thinking or explaining themselves, yeah. but or well, morpheus is seemingly this immortal who just kind of drifts through time so it does kind of make sense that like he doesn't think about everything he could be thinking about because there's probably too much
0: yeah totally
1: um, and immortals also in general especially in these you know the bits of comic book lore that i've seen they're usually terrible at explaining themselves about these sorts of things anyway <laughs> so yeah you know he's just doing that to us because that's how he thinks
0: yeah and I think that's uh backed up by future issues as his thought process is clearly a bit absurd.
1: Yeah and reactive. He's yes. very like he just sort of reacts to what's happening to him uh so far. Yeah. Um anyway yeah so moving on to issue 2 which is uh entitled Imperfect Hosts. Um and and this issue as well isn't quite centered on on Sandman uh but yes. it, it's 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 mm, it's more around, centered
0: on him, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, but we also kind of hone in on Cain and Abel uh, from in this. It's called the first story, but um, you know, Cain and Abel from the biblical story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, they have a pet gargoyle who brings in like a weakened Sandman to their house. So this is just after he's escaped from uh, the Burgess household and used the last of his power to um stick Alex in a eternal torment because that's what he felt was worth the last of his power so a bit of <laughs> characterization there good way um, to spend it anyway so it turns out the Kane and Abel are like employees of the sandman uh and so they help him start to recover some of his strength
0: yeah um and the tone of this issue is very different to the first issue yeah and i think the tone of this issue is is what the rest of the issues kind of keep to in terms of tone where it's still horrifying, and there's definitely moments of horror, but it's very much like black comedy, I guess. Um, For example, the dynamic between Cain and Abel is uh, where Cain just basically keeps murdering Abel over and over for minor slights, and so Abel is this kind of beaten-down younger brother, while Cain is this kind of horrifying monster who seems to have some affection for his brother, but will also just murder him for small inconveniences.
1: Yes, it, it's definitely a dynamic that was equal parts funny and upsetting to me. Yeah. Is, is how I would describe it. Yeah, uh, there's a there's like an emotionally abusive angle to their relationship that's very uncomfortable. But then, like, was played for comedy beats, which which like I did laugh at. So I, I was yes. a bit all over the place with it. Um, I mean, especially the ending. I think. So the, yeah, the, the
0: ending is wild.
1: The the last page of this issue is able. Coming back to life after one of the times Cain has killed him, and and going up to this little pet gargoyle that Cain has given him, and telling it this secret story he has about like an older brother who's nice and never murders the younger brother, and it's just yeah. kind of it's really heartbreaking, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's I was crazy. Just like, oh my god! Wait, I, <laughs> yeah. I I hope these two come back because it feels like they've started something here, and I have absolutely no idea what the fuck it is, <laughs> and so yeah. I need to see the rest of it.
0: Yeah, it's really wild, and the fact that we're able to feel so much for this character, despite only meeting him, you know, this at the start of this issue. I mean, sure, these characters exist in the consciousness, but all I really know about Cain and Abel is brothers who one murdered the other, and that's not yeah. really required knowledge for this, for this story. Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's a testament to the to the strength of this that it's able to so masterfully make you feel the things that it's trying to make you feel. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah um, and then obviously, I think the other thing we really start to do in this issue is is a lot of cool world building um like not just around Cain and Abel and this idea that they're like the employees of Sandman, but mm. um we we start to see more of the dream world this issue, maybe I'm jumping ahead a bit, but um, like there's a reference to a raven woman, and we see like a brief silhouette of her. And it's just, and then it, we just move on to other things. Like there's tons of what I feel like a, a seeds of world building being planted,
0: or just kind of seeds of the atmosphere of the dream world. You know,
1: yeah. Um, like she, yeah. Might, the Raven Woman, might come back. She might not. Either way, was- like it's, it was good here.
0: <laughs> I liked the Hag who had taken the form of Madonna at one point. Yep. <laughs> just, just, yeah, I mean, what it, like. It just seemingly this witch that taps into, I guess, the public consciousness to shape itself, which is cool. Yeah.
1: But again, like it's this whole thing like Cain and Abel being in the dream world, what does that well, mean the for that, the Bounds?
0: Yeah, I, I kind of started getting the picture of it's not dreams per se as it is like stories possibly that that are what really define Mr. Sandman's, I don't know
1: area of of reach. You yeah, know? His his domain. Yeah. Um although I'd also use that word for the dream world. So I, or you know, or, but it is the embodiment of these things. So maybe we should use the same word for both. Yes. Um, it is yeah, kind I, of I abstract, agree. right? The, the the concepts of like like he, he captures people daydreaming in the first issue. So it almost feels like it's just imagination in general. Uh whether yes. it's subconscious or conscious imagination. Um, yeah. Which, I guess, would imply Kane and Abel were made up in this. How dare you, Um, Elliot? uh, Yeah, I don't know. You're going to be excommunicated with talk like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think so. And I think Neil Gaiman is probably doing that intentionally. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, so uh, we'll get to the... There's there's some stuff that explicitly ties this to DC Comics coming up, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, But I want to talk about you know, this podcast is obviously an audio medium, so we can't adequately show what some of these panels look like, but there's a lot of really interesting um, like panel layouts being done here. There's one that I really liked uh, where as Mr. Sandman is approaching the gates to his dream world, he, he walks through these, he walks basically across this big desert. And the way that the comics kind of show this scale is these like concentric circular panels that, are slowly approaching the inner circle which is where the gates are and we get this weird feeling of of the immense scale that is being portrayed by this strange panel layout and i thought it was really interesting and and this this issue this whole series does a lot of those interesting panel layouts that i think are very cool
1: yeah i i would agree that i definitely got the sense that this series was using or getting a lot out of its format by like toying with it and, and yeah. trying new things with it um for those of you who've listened to some media md like it's come up on there how that like i'm just kind of bad at comics um and i'll admit that a lot of these things that you've mentioned through me for a bit like there's one or there's actually a couple of instances where like both pages are one panel and and so like the bottom half of both pages will just be one picture yes and then like you're meant to read the the you know the four pictures at the top on both pages before going to the bottom half of the page. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I I didn't do that. And I like, I had to read that page twice. (laughs) There are a few
0: that got me like that as well, where I wasn't quite sure of the order I meant to be reading things in. There's like two little panels inside a big panel and then two other little panels inside that panel. And you're like, hold on, I'll read this twice to kind of get it. I'll read it once and it'll be disjointed and then I'll put the puzzle pieces back together and read it again.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like I've sort of talked about how I I find it difficult to maintain my momentum when reading when I encountered that. But for for most of these ones, as you said, it was such cool things like the circle one or or because there was usually a reason for it. Once I'd put those puzzle pieces together, it actually kind of forced me to stop and take a second to be like, yeah. Oh, I see I see how they're integrating the art and the story here. That's really
0: cool. It is cool. And it does this weird it does have that weird effect where it, it kind of stumbles you for a bit, but then you get it, even it's almost like making you stop and consider it more deeply. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. And and it also adds to this like kind of semi-confusing vibe that is just how the Sandman <laughs>
1: operates yeah exactly so like whereas yeah, in other weird. comics i've just find i've just found it kind of momentum breaking in this one i found like a, as you said it was forcing me to stop and kind of smell the roses so to speak yeah um and like i actually really liked that um i kind of like i kind of got into the comic format for the first time ever like reading this this series which was cool oh nice um anyway back to back to the world of uh mr Samman. Um he so he starts to recover like somewhat at Cain and Abel's place by absorbing um his contracts with them, which maybe that'll be a plot point later. Mm-hmm. Um and he then uses that power to finish his journey to like the center of his dream world, which is where his his castle uh was, because he, he comes <laughs> back and he finds it's like dilapidated, it's prodding. Yeah. Um the Who I assume is the caretaker is still there and basically explains to him that in the 70 years he's gone, this entire dream world has kind of fallen apart, centered around his castle. Um, And so uh, Morpheus realizes he's going to have to go, he needs to regain his power to rebuild this place to what it was. And to do that, he needs to find the three things he had on him when he was captured that were stolen from him because he put a lot of his personal power into them. So without them, he can't get strong enough to rebuild this place. Uh, So with that in mind, he summons the three fates uh, who will help him, you know, figure out where they are.
0: Yeah. The three fates are interesting, right? They're similar to the, you know, the the fates, you would know them from Greek mythology, but they also just kind of, flit in between other types of three fate tropes. Um, yeah it's a very kind of trope-aware representation of them. So they'll they'll kind of take the forms of witches, a la Macbeth, or kind of Greek fates or Celtic fates, or even um they they reference uh, a band called the Supremes, which is like a an old uh, girl group, which is like the kind of band that the fates in Hercules were parodying. So uh, it's yeah. very it's this very interesting setup of of these fates just being and, and similar to Morpheus being concepts that have kind of been shaped into human form rather than as uh, strict definitions of the fates as we would see in, in Greek mythology or whatever.
1: Yeah, this is a particularly poignant example of uh, why I think it was that some ragamuffin decided we should read this series after Pact. Um, mm. Not to go into Pact spoilers in case people are coming without this, but like these these general ideas of of, of symbolism being important to the structure of the world um, is, yes. is, is is quite similar. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, and I think it is cool to explore this in ways that a comic would explore, right? Um, because, you know, this is a visual medium where you can get these weird visually offbeat things that wouldn't necessarily work in other visual mediums like TV, right? Where these fates are mm. shifting between forms to represent their kind of unity while they're three fates they're really just one entity kind of and it's like ways of representing that visually that would work in comics but wouldn't work in a movie for example or a tv show
1: yeah like there's one where like the one on the right no it's the left one of them yeah it is eating this like little frog monster that they pull out of their pocket and it's really cool because it's it changes which one it is in each panel so about the first one pulls it out then in the next one, a different one who is in that same left position is then eating yes. it. And then in the the last panel, it's the third one who's now in the left position who's like burping, having finished eating eating yes. it. And it's this really cool way of like adding to the idea that they're rotating by saying just so just so we're clear, it's not that they're like, you know, spinning not that around the oil. or anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like they are sort of transmuting um yeah. between forms. And can
0: you imagine how that just wouldn't work if I'm trying to picture how they would do that in a TV show it, it would just fail like it yeah. just wouldn't work
1: Yeah you could try and do it with like shots that are cutting between them but it would yeah. feel disjointed i think Yeah exactly um but yeah uh anyway so the the three fates tell uh morpheus kind of where his objects are um being immortals so they can't just give you a straight yeah, answer Yeah they do um, fuck with him
0: <laughs> in a way that i found quite funny
1: uh yeah so uh john constantine has his pouch of sand uh a demon has acquired uh his helm which is like this weird like ood like it's like a gas
0: mask almost as well yeah yeah. it's weird
1: um and then uh the justice league has his magical ruby crystal thing i forget what the actual term for it is um Mm. anyway so uh morpheus decides that his best bet is to head off and find the pouch because that's only being guarded by one human. Uh, how hard could it be? Uh, mm. Which I think is a fun joke for like people familiar with Constantine uh, <laughs> and who know what a massive pain in the arse he is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the fact that suddenly Constantine and the Justice League <laughs> appear yeah. in this story. Were yeah, you I, expecting
1: I, that, Elliot? No, I actually had no idea. Like until the Constantine uh, yeah, I, panel <laughs> came up and I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. And then it's like two panels later, it's like the Justice League. And I was like, Okay, so this is just (laughs) full-on DC.
0: No, because what it was for me was um, there's a guy, there's a thing that's seeded earlier on, something that's being seeded for later is this guy called Dr. Destiny, I think it is, and we first see him in this issue where he's in Arkham Asylum, and I saw that and I was like, oh, that's just a funny coincidence that this place, you know, that that, um, Neil Gaiman also called his mental asylum, Arkham <laughs> Asylum. I mean, that could be whatever, that's fine. And then Constantine shows up and I'm like, okay, hold on, hold the phone. What's going on
1: here? I actually didn't notice the Arkham thing until my second oh, like, nice. through, And that was yeah. one of those like, oh, I missed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, it was like when the Justice League, I was like, so this is just a, uh, yeah, the uh, yeah. actual DC thing. Um, so
0: I, I've looked into this a bit. Um, so basically this is published by an imprint uh, like a, a, a sub-publisher of DC called DC Vertigo, which was a, a thing that they ran for a while. I think it, it closed down in like 2015, maybe, or 16, um, that oh, would God. be doing kind of darker and more adult-focused DC Universe stuff. Uh, but it also kind of became the place where people would do uh, kind of more creative output. So it, right. it, I, I'd call it analogous to like an Adult Swim versus a Cartoon Network, you know? Um,
1: yeah, that's sort of the vibe I was getting. Like this idea of where the creators have the freedom to kind of experiment a bit more and and dip into the properties owned by DC, yes. but uh with less of the pressures and restrictions of being officially DC branded.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and and making it so that they didn't have to worry about it having the right continuity or crossing over and stuff. I think. Right. Um. I I think that that uh as the story of Sandman progressed, the the continuity stuff i think became a bit more restricting and so it, i think it gets dialed down a bit later on but at least initially it it seems to play into this a lot um we see yeah. <laughs> we see the justice league uh, john constantine is a major character in the next issue i don't know it's <laughs> it's kind of interesting it gives it this interesting flavor because we we know dc continuity from like the arrowverse stuff and young justice and whatever so i don't know it's fun to it's it's a it's a weird beat that i wasn't expecting but it does add some interesting flavor to this pilot i think <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, As you said, I wouldn't classify myself as a DC expert, but um, they've been all over our screens for the last 10 years, so it's hard not to have picked up like a fair chunk. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't read comics, so maybe I'm mischaracterizing things here, but I kind of feel like I I can see why something like this feels like it can cross into things like the Justice League or whatever, because the thing about like DC and Marvel continuities is like they're a bit of a massive clusterfuck anyway. Mm. So it's like, you don't have to be, you know, you get things like Young Justice, which are just like, yeah, we're in a different universe or whatever. So we can have the Justice League, but it's our own interpretation of them. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what's going to be happening like here. Like, I, I doubt this is, you know, the Justice League that is in the Justice League comics.
0: Well, I think it's close to that. But the fact that it's all dreamscape stuff, I think made it easier to cross over. Like, if you right, just yeah. interact with, I don't know. uh, the green lantern's dreams that doesn't need to play into can, continuity because it's just his dreams. like it's fine yeah right
1: yeah you just have a panel in one of his comics where he's sleeping and you've you've completed yeah, the crossover <laughs> crossover <laughs> done yeah totally yeah um yeah so uh you know speaking of uh meeting uh dc characters let's go into it uh with issue three dream a little dream of me uh which so this issue is just sort of more explicitly from the perspective of john constantine yeah um who basically has this this old witch warn him that the sandman has returned and she knows he has sandman's pouch so she's like hey he's gonna come and get you uh be ready and you know because it's john constantine he's just kind of like yeah okay i'll worry about that and and then he forgets too (laughs) well Um, he
0: kind of researches it for a day and a half and then gets distracted
1: (laughs) no no he he, no he, he barely even researches it he he was like he He makes a mental note that he should research and then gets distracted. And then, sure enough, the Sandman shows up and he's like, Oh, yeah, you were on my to do list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which, yeah, like just just to sort of clarify, I was a huge fan of um, the Constantine TV show that was very short lived uh, a while ago and have been very much enjoying his resurgence in Legends. So I'm a big big fan of the character for someone who's never read the comics or seen the movie. You're Um, a big
0: Constantine, we call them
1: oh boy um. <laughs>
0: yeah. um i liked i really liked this issue like it felt like we're starting to approach the this is what the standard issues will feel like the first two issues were the introduction and setting the stage and now we're kind of getting into the you know the monster of the week style stuff i guess you would call it and it's not like crazy there's some horrifying stuff in here there's some good character work <laughs> it's it's some plot advancement like it's fun it, like I'm ca- I'm kind of calibrating like okay this is what I would expect the average issue to be like and it's a pretty good high bar so I'm I'm it gives me good hopes for this series
1: yeah like I haven't read that many comics I think like, the ones you've given me as well on, on medium D have been particularly serialized so I'm mm. internally I've been comparing issues to episodes of a TV show yeah um and, and like you're right that's sort of the feeling like I kind of feel like we've gone from the the pilot which was more in, in more built around like the orientation and then this is a bit of our first taste of here's what a standalone episode can be yeah um i think maybe the next issue is probably going to be more akin to what they all are mostly because it actually centers around uh the sandman sure that's fair (laughs) more than anything but um you're right this is the first like the other two felt like they were orienting us in the world this one feels like okay now let's do things we actually move the plot forward rather than tell you what it is yeah um so yeah so Constantine tries to help um Morpheus find the the sort of pouch of sand um and then sort of realizes it must have been stolen by this ex-girlfriend he had who was a junkie and had this incident where she like you know basically robbed him and took a bunch of his stuff and he realizes the pouch must have been amongst it Um, so the two of them go to her home, uh, which has sort of been subsumed by, uh, dreams released from the pouch that have run, uh, amok.
0: Yeah. It's pretty messed up. Um, (laughs) stuff goes bad. Like, there was a guy who tried to break into this house and got trapped in an eternal dream. Um, the girl's dad got, like, turned inside out and is still alive, but is now uh, like coating the walls of a hallway in their house, like it's really gory <laughs> yeah. and messed up stuff.
1: Yeah, I've only I've only seen someone paint the walls like that and been alive in one other work, and, and yes, it was equally. And we shall
0: not discuss that here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you're right. Like, there's there's a lot of really fucked up stuff in this whole series, um and i like I kind of like it. Like, it, it's it's really setting the stage of like how important all this stuff is because when things are going wrong here like people's lives are getting really fucked up
0: yeah i guess it's it's kind of useful to show us that while he is not as important as death for example he clearly is powerful and important and the fact that he's been away for 7 years has fucked with a lot of things
1: yeah exactly exactly um when these things are tipped off of balance it still messes things up
0: yeah it's pretty horrifying
1: um but yeah so you mentioned like there's a guy in here who uh sort of broke in and and we're only mentioning it now but it's actually like he it's like the first page of the issue is actually him breaking in and there's like Mm. another one halfway through and and like this is something i noticed this series does a lot of like it did the same thing with the patients in the first issue yes uh kane and abel actually sort of dip in and out of the second um it's a really interesting like storytelling approach um again sometimes i found it a little jarring. Mm. because, um, I, like, the difference between, uh, like, a sort of scene break in, in these situations and, uh, like, you know, sometimes I wasn't sure exactly where we'd cut to, if that makes mm. sense. Um, like, Yeah, you know,
0: it, it's usually, or in this one at least, it's this thing of we don't actually understand who this person is that we're cutting to until the end, and it's like, yeah. oh, he broke into this house. That, that explains it. And I think it's a, a way for it to kind of have have some things take place that will tie in without them kind of immediately presenting themselves to mr sandman who it seems powerful enough to basically just resolve things he comes across straight away
1: (laughs) yeah at least at this point um no like yeah i i really like it um as a device like that like the idea of that moment where you realize Oh shit! This is the guy who was breaking in that I'd kind of forgot about because he yeah. was only in one page. It's before. like a little
0: mini twist, you know, yeah. not a twist, but just kind of a like oh moment, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's good, like episodic content. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just like I did find, and again, it's probably just because I'm like a bit of a noob at comics, but like I <laughs> sometimes I turn the page, and it would take me, you know, reading a few panels to be like, oh wait, no, this is a different. Scene. Whereas, you know, I guess in mm. TV or in film, you have like the soundtrack and and different lengths of of black screen to help you mentally make that transition without thinking.
0: Yeah, um, so it's, it's just something I've got to get better at. I, I I feel it too, and I I'm I don't think I'm a huge comic reader, but I have read more comics than you have. I do hmm. think it is a skill that needs practice, and I think that's one of the reasons why this is a pilot that I'd be quite interested to see what it, what would happen if we started diving really deeply into these issues if it gets taken to series because, like, it kind of reminds me of how when we were doing Deep Impact or I've heard Scott and Matt say similar things about about Worm and Ward, it's a different skill set to dive into these things as deeply and it's kind of interesting to me the idea of what would happen if we did that with a comic book. I think it would be fascinating.
1: Yeah, that's true because I definitely, uh, uh, I don't know if we should really be getting into this here but I guess I'm doing it. Um, Why not? Like I I got a lot better at reading and interpreting as yeah, we did deep exactly. in pact I think like um there there's been someone on our discord uh recently who's been going through pact and has been listening to our show and commenting on it and and doing her own video series as she's mm. been going and it's been really fun but like listening to what she says about what we said at the start of pact I've been like oh I think we actually got a lot better towards the end or maybe not yeah. a lot better like I'm not saying I'm not saying we're experts now but I think there was a no, marked no, you difference can say it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a there was a lot difference in in the quality early on and the quality later. Yeah, um, and like I think it'd be really interesting to sort of start back at ground zero again a bit with with me being terrible at reading comics and, and sort yeah. of start to learn how to read
0: a new piece of media.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Anyway, just a little <laughs> tangent, I guess.
1: Yeah. If you um, want more of
0: that, you know, order this to series.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean. Let's be honest, no matter what you order, a series, you're gonna get dumb tangents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh yes, so we move into issue four, uh, which is called A Hope in Hell. Mm-hmm. Um and so as we said, this is this is now our issue where we dive into Morpheus as a character, um, really for the first time, I'd say. Uh he's now got the power of his pocket sand, uh, and he's brave enough to enter hell, uh, in order to try and cover the the helm that he one of the demons of hell has acquired. Mm-hmm. Um So he kind of goes to these gates of hell, which are just very pleasant, uh, and he meets (laughs) this demon called Etrigan. Yes, Etrigan, um, who uh, I googled because the way he introduces himself (laughs) and the way his art style just just really stood out to me as well. (laughs) Anything else in this (laughs) issue? I was like, this guy has to be a character.
0: (laughs) He looks so fucking goofy. It's bizarre, and like I googled Etrigan as well because I had this same moment of like. He just looks so... He looks like he's wearing fucking spandex, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, he looks like... It looks like if you were writing a gritty Sandman comic and you you were forced to include someone from like 1950s a 50s, comics. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, I looked up Etrigan, and he has more modern designs that are more in line with these modern stylings of what a demon would be. And so it's just... It is just the creators of this comic being like let's make him look as (laughs) goofy as fucking possible which i think is such a bold move and i absolutely loved it
1: um yeah like like, that's the thing it was kind of the first time he came in i was like why the fuck (laughs) does he look like this yeah he's like popping bright reds and greens and shit and and yellow like he's these really bright primary colors and like he's he's amongst these pictures of like a hellscape which is just all these kind of very like tan, dirt brown yes. bodies being yes. like murdered and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and um, and
0: um, Mr. Saman himself is like incredibly pale, greys and blacks.
1: Yeah, um, but like that said, after the initial shock, I did just kind of buy him in the world. Like, yeah, so, totally. You know, um, and we
0: learn that hell is quite bombastic anyway, so it kind of works out.
1: Yeah, I guess with Lucifer at the helm, you, you're going to get some uh, visually interesting uh aspects to the, yeah. to the place i guess yeah um
0: yeah so we we get into this world and and the first thing that they go past is something called the woods of suicide and we get like these three lines as we introduced well even before we know it's the woods of suicide we get these three lines that of from this tree with a man's face that <laughs> talks about uh the situation that led to his life being terrible and then um Mr. Sandman says this throwaway line of like, oh gosh, the Woods of Suicide have really gotten bigger, huh? And Eschgen's like, yeah, anyway, let's keep going. And they just leave it behind. And it's, again, it's this moment of such powerful writing of, there are three lines that this guy has, and my heart like shatters for this person.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a really good little snippet of of story telling isn't it yeah um it's one single panel with this tree in it and then another one where sandman does that throwaway line yeah and instantly you put this whole puzzle together that yeah. just breaks your heart yeah it's real um, bad it's rough um yeah
0: and and it continues of course uh etrigan seems to take mr sandman through this circuitous route that takes him past uh these jails of imprisoned souls and somebody recognizes him and he does this thing that he's been doing before of like shifting his form, but he shifts his form to interact with this person in the form that they recognize of him. And he basically condemns them to continued torment. And it's this weird moment of we've kind of started to slide into seeing Mr. Sandman as the hero of this story because he's our protagonist and we just kind of fall into his morality, but it's clear that he is not a good hero like he's not good right he's got this strange morality like not evil but kind of neutral like very strange neutral morality and i'm really excited to learn more about what fuels him and that kind of stuff
1: yeah part of it feels like that kind of detached immortal trope Yes, like he's a bit of a like yeah i don't know like he's just immortal and he's just kind of going through things like it'll be interesting to see if if this person ever comes up because it seems like like, we don't know the story here. They betrayed Sandman somehow, apparently. Yeah. And uh, if he can forgive them, they get out of hell, and he and just he d- refuses to do Yes. So it'll be interesting, like, if this person comes back, and they might not, like... Cause yeah, it,
0: I, I doubt this person specifically will come back, but I, I suspect we'll see more people like this that played a role in his past, and yeah. through that we find out more about it.
1: Yeah, that's fair, because this is already, as you said, it's done its job of establishing him as someone who is not necessarily a, a hero as, yes. we would, as we would think of them. He um, could,
0: with no effort, let this person get out of hell and he chooses not to.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, again, we don't know what they did. Maybe they deserve it. Sure. Maybe but Maybe you know, we'll it's, find it's, out, maybe not. But like, it in is a way, eternal
0: torture, so it's like, you know. What?
1: Yeah, the heroic thing to do would probably be to forgive them, especially yeah. since I think they say they've been down there for thousands of years. Like, yes. it would have to be pretty fucking bad, whatever they did, um, yeah. for you to still talk about keeping them in prison um anyway yeah so so sorry as you sort of said Etrigan is kind of taking um uh, Sandman on the sort of scenic route but eventually uh they get to um like Sandman's old mate's place uh Lucifer yep uh the, the morning star um and this is where I think we start to get an idea of what I think the themes of the overall story might be but um I guess we'll get there in a bit um Basically, uh, Lucifer is like, oh yeah, sure, I'll help you find your helm, Um, I just need to gather my mates, because it turns out uh, hell is no longer just run by Lucifer, some stuff has gone on in the last 70 years, Mm. and it's now uh, a triumvirate. So it's um, Beelzebub and Azazel, who are Mm. two other characters, one of them's a fly, which was neat um
0: beelzebub yes is a giant disgusting fly
1: (laughs) um so that was that was just fun uh anyway and so the three of them kind of agree to help him find his helm um but it really sort of strikes the sandman that such a big change has gone on here
0: yeah yeah and i mean we're gonna start talking about this but the theme that you brought up here is change and evolution right things changing
1: yeah, I don't know if I'm just bringing packed over like again. White, yeah, white I'm about spoilers to bring one Pact. up that feels
0: very packed as well.
1: Oh uh, yeah, so it, like uh, white spoilers for packed thematically. Um, but again, I'm I'm not sure if it's me bringing packed everywhere with me or if it's this is why some ragamuffin chose this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's a ton of stuff in this issue that made me think we were talking a lot about the fact that Sandman is is not changing. Um, he explicitly in this issue kind of says he doesn't think he's changed he's not forgiving this other person he's baffled that hell's changing his mm. plan is just to build the dream world back to what it was um i think it's going to be interesting to see if he starts to become challenged to change his ways or something like i don't know yeah, it's just I- like the the seeds i'm starting to see being planted in this issue is this idea of change is important even for immortals and he's not doing that right now
0: yes i i think i want to dive a bit deeper into that and talk about the idea of like the perceptions of humanity being the catalyst for change because that's the theme that i feel like i'm starting to get here um or even in the early issues we get the i i mentioned offhand the woman who changed her form to look like a madonna hag basically and i think that's the thing that I'm starting to see run through this is the idea of like human consciousness being the thing that shapes the immortals around it. Um, hmm. Obviously, uh, Mr. Sandman has been trapped in a seal for 70 years and so hasn't been able to be affected, but I-, I do think that's the through line of what we're going to start to see is he doesn't just give stories to humans, is he he feeds off of them
1: uh, yeah, and, and like- the consciousness as well, right? I mean, yeah, that was the that was a very interesting thing that jumped out to me as well. Is is if he is someone who is dreams and and hopes and imagination, or you know, whatever exactly, yes, h- however much each of those individually apply to him, because we're still not sure. He it's weird to me that he would be so disconnected from the evolution of humanity's thoughts and and trends. Um, mm. So like, I wonder if that's going to be a thing. It's like there's a certain irony that the immortal that we are following who is meant to learn about how humanity can change things is going to be the one who is inspired by their changing thoughts yes um i don't i don't know i guess I. yeah we'll see we'll see if that is a thing and if it's going anywhere it feels like it is that this does issue. i
0: agree it feels like that's the place we're starting to get to which is uh, uh themes that i really enjoyed in fact so i'm gonna yeah. enjoy them here too
1: <laughs> exactly um Something we should also call out. This is again touching on the visual uh, nature of of some of the stuff here, and maybe this is common, and I'm just showing off like how bad I am at comics again. But um, I really like how s- everything um, Morpheus that like the Sandman says is in a dialogue box that has the colors inverted. Yes. Um, like he, so he's a black text box was with with white text, and it reminds me of in like Discworld how everything Death says is in all caps and in a funny font. Um, Discworld
0: or Good Omens, which is partially yes, written yep. by Neil Gaiman.
1: Yep, true, true. Um, it, it really adds this sort of ethereal sense to the Sandman. Yes. Um, and as well, like just from a practical standpoint, it saves them having to attach the text bubbles to his mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> like is also they, very helpful. They can just stick them everywhere, and we know that that's the protagonist, which is fun. Um, I, I kind of brought it up here as well, because we we've just met Lucifer. Mm. And uh, Lucifer gets his own font as well when he speaks, which I thought was fun. And yeah. again, gives him this sort of gravitas. Yeah,
0: and it adds this character, right? Like, it is a font that you would expect a, a
1: Bible website <laughs> made in the yeah. 2000s <laughs> to have on it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a very ancient-y font. Yes. Um. I Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, like, just to sort of leap off of this, something like... We, we probably haven't given enough thought or well, given enough airtime to is uh, it's so strange. I think to center your series around one of these like big immortals, mm. like, you know, most, most series, you know, they center around the young hero or someone entering the world. Like it, it is a very bold choice to have the protagonist of your story be like in, uh, you know, a close to all powerful immortal. Mm. Um, Like, you know, I guess jumping ahead a little bit, four issues in he's already got like 66 percent of his power back yeah um i kind of assumed when he lost his three things i was like oh okay so the whole story story, is going to be him rising back to power it's clear that he's probably going to get most of his power back fairly quickly and so then uh, like i'm interested to see where you go from there because usually your protagonist is not one of the i don't know 50 most powerful things in the universe right like it, it can be hard to make interesting stories out well, of it. Well, yeah, so, not
0: at the start of the story, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And this is going like, you know, there's we're halfway through volume one. I think there's like over eight volumes or something. So mm. uh, you know, if he goes back to being an all powerful immortal, like one volume in, where does the story of, go next? Yeah. Like yeah. I'm I'm kind of fascinated. Like it's a it's a really interesting choice and I'm glad then in retrospect I'm glad they're not just going like Neil didn't go, oh he's an all powerful immortal but not for the whole time Where with him. He's like yeah, an exactly. up-and-comer. <laughs> why, like, why would that? Yeah, yeah so we're going to get, like it seems like very soon we're going to have him back at power and that's going to be a really interesting type of story to tell, I think, because you don't see those too often, probably because they're quite hard. Yeah. Um, if I trust anyone with them, Neil Gaiman would be one of those people. Totally.
0: I, like I also compare episodes or issues to TV episodes, right? And so yeah. the first volume of this is eight, episodes and that's the first arc of story yeah, first right? season if exactly. we're
1: into the tv metaphor yeah
0: yeah so i in my head was just you know once we got to this point i was like oh wait he's getting these back really quickly like the first volume is probably just that and then what happens yeah. next i had that exact same thought of like <laughs> what happens next and i have no idea but i am excited to see that perspective because it's not a story that you get that much the story of an immortal being Forced to self-assess and decide what he wants to do with his life, like yeah, I'm kind of down with that.
1: Yeah, and and what do you do with them once once they've sort of started to do that character arc? Like, I think I think it's going to be really fun to see how you challenge, um yes. a, a being like this, not just from a character growth perspective, but like in text, how do you add stakes that matter to them? Uh, within yeah. that, yeah. um, especially because you know, like the the other answer I've seen fairly common was like, talk, you know, Doctor Who uh often will target the companions and su- uh, Superman does the same thing right you don't mm. you don't target Superman half the time you target like civilians you target Lois yeah um yeah exactly so Sandman doesn't really seem to have anyone he gives a shit about yeah uh so yeah like I- I'm really interested to see where it goes yeah um uh, but let's finish this yeah, <laughs> issue yeah, before yeah, we yeah. Do that. yeah yeah uh so yeah so going back to it um uh beelzebub azazel and lucifer gather every single demon in hell uh <laughs> and morpheus and, and there's a great like it's just one picture but it's two pages and it's yes. kind of all the demons just a bit of visual flair yeah um, it'd
0: be so fun to draw that and just being like now what would have this yeah. random demon look like
1: like you can just imagine the artist was told can you fill two pages with whatever the fuck demons um yeah and pretend Destroy to a bunch
0: of, of fucking demons go <laughs> yeah.
1: nuts. Yeah, exactly. Go go wild. Um so anyway, Morpheus uh you know uses his pocket sand to figure out which one has his helmet. Um but because of the rules of hell, is forced to kind of challenge him to a game. Uh and we transition into this really cool like game show bit. <laughs> yeah. Um it's it's just a little fun stylistic thing. Um, this whole
0: thing is so stylistic, right? Because this <laughs> demon whose name is Choronzon uh, like does this weird transition where it gets really like burlesque and strange yeah
1: yeah it's just it's just a really fun like again it, it's them using the medium really yes, well totally. it's a very fun visual part yeah. um so they engage in this battle which is this really fun it's like a sort of children's game you'd play where yes, you say like exactly. oh i'm i'm a dog and it's like oh well i'm a wolf that eats dogs and it's like yeah well i'm now a cart that runs over wolves
0: and i'm um, like a broken stone that ruins the axle of the car yeah exactly
1: yeah. so it's like it's one of those little fun like one-upsmanship type games uh and there's all this fun silhouette art going on while they do it it's, yes. it's really fun um dream eventually wins by managing to say uh that he is hope and that kind of defeats everything that the demon can think of because the demon demon. can't
0: think of anything yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) he wins because he is the embodiment of creativity and stories right (laughs) so you you picked the wrong game for this encounter i think
1: yeah exactly um and then there's a there's an even more sort of boss moment follow-up to this which is uh then uh morpheus is like cool i got my helmet i'm gonna go uh, and Lucifer's like, no, nah, we've got literally every demon in hell here. Why would we let you leave? And Morpheus is like, because you can't kill me. Because hope is as important to hell as anywhere else. Because without hope of somewhere like heaven, what does the torture of of souls mean? And then they're yeah. just kind of forced to let him out. And it's like, okay, well, you're endorsing hell, which is which is not great. But um, it's it's a very powerful moment. So like, i yeah, I kind of loved it.
0: Yeah, it, and this continues the theme of, of his morality to me because a lot of the power that we've seen in the first you know this first half of this volume has been people being trapped in nightmares like nightmares has been
1: the theme right yeah well it's kind of like it, it's it's uh, Morpheus's power weaponized so we've, yes, we've seen a lot of it
0: exactly but here we see the flip side to this which is dreams are hopes and and aspirations right and and that's a part of what makes up mr sandman as well so it's not just the nightmares it's actually these aspirational like lifelong dreams that you hold really deep in your heart and and presumably he embodies these aspects too so it it sets up this really weird alien morality to him that again i'm just excited to see more of
1: yeah, it's like ideas can be good or bad, it's what you're doing with them. Like, you yes. know, it's not a coincidence that the first time we see them weaponized for good is when he's fighting hell.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, because by contrast, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh so so that could be uh, an interesting aspect to all this. I mean, where we go from here is basically we we kind of get two pages worth of teasers to finish off this issue. It was a great place for us to stop our coverage here because yeah. first of all, we get a page where Lucifer basically watches uh Morpheus leave and and says to Beelzebub and Azazel that he's gonna get him and and kill him one day um which is interesting because Morpheus seems to think of him as one of his few friends (laughs) (laughs) um, I mean that's what it's
0: like when you're that powerful I guess
1: yeah exactly um so you know I assume that we'll be back to hell at some point um in the story uh but then we also uh, then get a second page and it's our last page uh which is a teaser for what i assume is the very next issue which is um we've been seeing little snippets of dr destiny locked up in arkham asylum uh which we already mentioned and he gets what i think is um like morpheus's ruby of power mm. back um which was taken from him by the justice league somehow he seems to have gotten it back um and so i assume he's going to be escaping and and pretty powerful when uh when Morpheus gets in touch with him next issue.
0: Yeah. Um, But that's, we'll have to wait until next episode, maybe, for that, uh, because uh, that's the end of our coverage uh, here on Bung 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 Bung.
1: (laughs) No, that's the end of our coverage here on Bring Me a Dream. We changed it, so, yes. (laughs) We didn't change it. It was never Bung Bung (laughs) Bung (laughs) Bung. No, because it's
0: like the lyrics of Mr. Sandman, which is is referenced (laughs) explicitly in in the uh, story
1: yeah it is uh john constantine uh, constantine sings it uh, yeah there are much. a
0: lot of dream theme songs that are playing on the radio in that chapter
1: yeah yeah they have <laughs> like we kind of skipped over it but there's a whole bit at the start where constantine's questioning his sanity uh, and it's because like sandman's chasing him down um it's pretty fun yeah it's good uh, we, actually, we entirely skipped over the bit where constantine gets sucked into those weaponized dreams and the house and yes thinks he's falling to his death and morpheus just kind of pulls him out and it's like oh it wasn't real get over it yeah um, you know, yeah sort of putting his empathy right on display <laughs> yeah um, um in fact actually yeah we, we skipped over the whole bit where like we find the woman who's like dying yeah and uh, morpheus is just like yeah she's gonna die it's gonna be really painful and anyway, like, goes to leave and constantine's like what well, can you help can you do something
0: yeah and, he <laughs> and can't, he's sort but of he, like he puts her out of her misery i
1: guess well yeah he makes he doesn't save her life but he makes it so she doesn't die in agony um That's- And. Yeah, you know, he, he did have to be pressured into doing that. So, again, like, interesting aspect then, to his character.
0: Okay, but then the flip side to that is a few times he just will, like someone will have a problem. Like Constantine has a problem. He says to him at the end of that issue, oh, I haven't been able to sleep well for a while. And and Mr. Sandman's like, you know, I fixed it. Good luck. Have a good mm. night, basically. And so he, he displays this moment of like genuinely going out of his way, almost unprompted to just help someone out because why not?
1: yeah but it's that very sort of immortal tropy thing again, where it's like it's the people he knows, like you know he yep. doesn't care for the wider universe or the yes. mortals in general, because yeah. you know they're just mortals, whereas when he's interacted with one like he he formed a bit of a relationship with Constantine and he feels like he owes him a favor, so he does it, and it's like what we need is that to extend to hey, all the mortals matter like maybe a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean there's one part where he travels by going through the dreams of a dog. Does that count as something?
1: <laughs> I think that was a utility rather than Yeah, a yeah, fair empathy. enough. Fair enough. Um yeah. But anyway, so that's that you know, sorry, that is the end of our coverage of these first four arcs, finishing yep. on arc th- uh, issue 3 as um as we all want to do, but uh yeah.
0: Yeah, uh if you liked but uh, uh this show i won't say its name uh <laughs> if you like this show and you want to see more of it you can leave your feedback down in the form in the description uh which is i mean we're still going to make the decision ourselves but uh you know have your say and let us know what you thought and that will impact what we decide to do next with these pilots
1: yeah definitely the three metrics we're sort of using are uh, uh, the number of downloads and how many people listen so spread the word if you like yep, it yep. uh the results of the google form uh, will also be important for us sort of Seeing how much people who engage with us actually like them, and then yep. the third metric will be like kind of Do how we want to keep interested we yeah. are. <laughs> um, so, so you know, it, spread the word and and fill out that form and get your friends to fill out the form if you if you really like uh, this episode in particular or any of the others. Yep. Um, we're also available on the Doof Discord, uh, mm-hmm. and we're taking feedback very directly, uh, in person, kind yep. of. Well, I mean, in as in person as things are yeah. these days
0: yeah that's true uh to get access to that discord you just need to be a patron of the doof media patreon uh, at patreon.com forward slash doof media any old level will do uh, uh literally give us the minimum amount you possibly can and you'll still get that discord because that's just how nice we are no no yes. abstract alien morality here
1: <laughs> and that is the best perk of the discord mm-hmm. um in fact just just to plug another one uh, at the five dollar level you get access to the doof and Chill sessions. Uh, which this week is a portal 2 race. Yes. So Ruben and I will be racing Matt and Scott and other patrons have already submitted some times. Um we haven't announced to the time that we will be doing our oh, race with Matt Scott. Is it an Scott. exclusive? Um no, we'll, we'll be making it public. We just haven't No, quite I mean we can down.
0: announce it. We can have the early access exclusive cuz we decided oh, when it was to the right like No,
1: today. no, no, not everyone has actually said oh, they can make okay. that time. Shit. Sorry. Whoopsies. So, no. So hopefully, very soon. You know, maybe by the time this is out, even we will have the time uh, announced. But yeah, uh, you know, with with sort of the way everyone now kind of has a bit more flexibility in their schedules, uh, we're actually going to try and get all four of us uh, on the stream at once, which should be yeah, a that'll be fun. Fuck.
0: Yeah, it'll be a real mess. Um, thanks <laughs> again to some ragamuffin for uh, donating to our live stream to get this episode to happen. It was a, a great one, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So um, yeah. We'll see. Hopefully it's the one that gets carried forward. But of course they can't all win. Only one can survive. Or I mean, we haven't really, you know, <laughs> decided that. I guess we could do eight new shows, but we probably won't.
1: We're probably going to be doing one at a time. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's like if, you, if it's not first, uh, you know, the ship we hasn't might come completely back to it. sailed. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, and so on that note, uh, we'll see you all next week uh, yep. as we dive into another comic, uh, Stay Still, Stay Silent. Uh, and I'm really excited for this one because um, we're actually going to try doing it as a visual episode. So as well as publishing the audio copy, uh, wherever you're listening to this, we're actually going to stream a visual one on YouTube, uh, actually referencing panels of the webcomic and all that. Uh, so that should be really fun. So uh, come check it out on, on YouTube uh, if if you like.
0: Yes, I'm sure that will be a fun one too. Uh, but let's wrap this episode up, Elliot, with our traditional goodbye that we say at every at the end of every episode of Bung 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 Bung, and that, of course, is take it away.
1: I'm sleepy.